Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And in this week's episode, we'll be discussing the NBA playoffs. We'll be talking about the NFL, what's going on as we are nearing the draft. And we'll have our best for last. Now, as always, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and share to the Justin Time Sports Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And also, don't forget to follow the social media handle at JTimeSports. I repeat, at JTimeSports on all of your favorite social medias, whether that be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, for breaking news, updates, highlights, and more. Now, as always, if you're returning, you know what I'm about to say, but if you're new here, sit back and get ready to learn something. to be here with you today NBA playoffs are in full swing of course you have Major League Baseball already in its full swing the hockey playoffs are going on and of course uh, by the time you guys hear this time it comes out it will be literally one week away from the NFL draft Uh, one of my more favorite times of the year because it's kind of the four sports meet Um, now there is an equinox point where hockey basketball the NFL and baseball kind of overlap. It's like early October. Um, that's when baseball is getting near the World Series. Of course, you've got football that there about a month into the season. Basketball is nearing it. Um, it's returning at Halloween time. Um, and then, of course, hockey and, ba- and basketball oddly share a pretty similar schedule um, in terms of time frame. But, you know, so there's a sports equinox day where they kind of all meet or they all get to a point where they can meet. Um, but this is one of my favorite times of the year because the NFL draft time is so exciting. The NBA playoffs, like I told you guys before, is probably the best playoffs in sports. Um, and then baseball is running, you know, running full speed. Hockey's got a very electric playoffs. Um, to see the fans hang on every goal that's scored. It's sort of like the baseball playoffs when every run um, is scored in. It's like, you know, it's a little, it's even more urgent in hockey because, you know, a baseball game, in theory, can legitimately get up into the 9-7 in the playoffs, 6-4 in the playoffs. A hockey game may legitimately be 3-2, you know, so fans are hanging on every single goal. Um, You know, a really strong power play could end up being, you know, three goals in 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 a period, and all of a sudden that team's fans are either really, really excited or really, really quiet. And flip the whole series. And it's like, you know, when you've got that kind of stuff, hockey definitely has the most um, intrigue in terms of every goal. But again, the best playoffs is the NBA playoffs. Uh, as I'm recording this, Wednesday night, I'm actually, or well, Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday evening, um, I'm actually watching Grizzlies Lakers as I record this. Um, so my Grizzlies Lakers stuff actually, pretty much when I get to that series, I'm going to talk about it last, I'm watching the game. Uh, will pretty much be kind of a recap of what's happening in the game. Uh, right now, the Lakers shooting about 35%. The Grizz shoot about 47%. Grizzlies have a 12-point lead, uh, even without Jaws uh, ja out with a hand, with his hand injury. But again, we'll uh, discuss the Lakers as Luke Kennard hits another shot. 
Uh, we'll discuss the Lakers in earnest when we last because, of course, I'm watching their game. But we're going to start off with another game that's happening um, that would have already happened by the time you guys hit the podcast. Um, and that is Milwaukee-Miami uh, game two. Big news out of that game, of course. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is out with a bruised tailbone. Um, and so he is out. In that game with the Bruce Tillbone, he would not play. And, of course, as you guys know, Tyler Hero is probably done for the season um, with broken hand. He has he broke a couple of fingers in the hand, um, made a three after that, which before we dive off into the series, uh, we're going to talk about that just for a quick second. I broke my hand while playing basketball, um, and he broke more of his fingers, which is still a thing. I broke a bone under my pinky in the base of my hand. Um, while playing basketball. One of situations where I, I, I hit it going for a loose ball, hit it on a guy. Um, man, I was like, man, if I look down on a pinky sideways, I'm going to be very upset. Look down. Oh, no, I'm good. Flex it a little bit. I'm like, it's sore, but it's probably just bruised. You know, sprained it. Man, I go to my spot, three-point line. I get the ball, and I try to shoot. First of all, when I catch it, the pain shoots down my arm. Then I try to shoot the ball. The ball go the ball goes about three feet. I'm in pain. I finished the game. I played left-handed the rest of the game. Um, catching the ball on my left, passing with my left. I didn't shoot the ball. I kind of played defense on like the worst offensive player, so I could really, you know, not really bump. Uh, I went for like one a rebound. Got it with my left. Like um, I played the game left-handed. And then they were trying to run another one. And I would have played, but I had my hand was broken. I didn't know my hand was broken. My hand was broken. Um, and so I was like, no, I got him done my hand, da, 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 whatever. Tyler Hero shot a three with two broken fingers and swished it. That is so amazing. Like I say, it's one of those things where it's like, it's one of those stories where you're like, oh, he broke his hand and made a three. And then you're like, no. As a person who did it, as a person who broke their hand and tried to shoot a three in an open gym, and the ball went about three feet, the fact that he shot a corner three in the NBA playoffs and swished it is absolutely insane. Um, So all credit to Tyler Hero. Like, that's probably the last shot of his season. It's a swish corner three with a broken hand. That's Actually insane. Um, but we're going to dive up into the series. So, as you guys know, I predicted the Milwaukee in a sweep. So, my prediction for this series is already wrong. Uh, I predicted Milwaukee in a sweep. It's looking like a few of my series predictions are going to be wrong. Um, but I predicted Milwaukee in a sweep. Obviously, I assumed health for everybody. The Heat were rolling. It's always that rest versus rust aspect. The Heat were rolling kind of early anyway before Giannis does the first fall. But I think when Middleton heats up at the end of that game, if they have Giannis as well, they think the Bucs come back and win the game. Um, Tyler Hero obviously is a much smaller loss for the for the Heat than the reigning, you know, one of the best. I think he's the reigning best player on the planet, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So obviously that's a bigger loss for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the coaching advantage in this goes from their exposure. He's, he was voted as one of the 15 best coaches in NBA history. I can't disagree with that. I can't. Like, you know, if you start rattling off names of all-time coaches, it gets to about 9 or 10, and then it gets debatable. And then you look at Air Sports' resume for 
five NBA Finals appearances, two uh, championships, the amount of games he's won, his win percentage, the vote of confidence from Pat Riley when Pat when LeBron won it, Pat Riley to come down to coach the team instead of Eric Spoelstra. Like I can't disagree with him being top fifteen. Now Bud is a good coach. Mike Budenholzer of the um, Milwaukee Bucks. Bud is a good coach. He is the only coach in history that will probably have all his starting five win the uh, Player of the Week award. But he was at Atlanta Hawks. They won sixty games back to back years. Kept losing to LeBron, but they won sixty games back to back years. Um, all five of his starting five was voted to the All Star game. All five of them won Player of the Week together. Um, you know what I'm saying? So, like, Coach Bud had some elite coaching. And then it was Atlanta It was Kyle Corver. It was Jeff Teague. It was Al Horford. It was Paul Millsap. It was Joe Johnson. You know, like, that was a pretty good roster. Couldn't get over the LeBron hurdle. But, in his defense, nobody could. So, then he, he gets fired there, whatever, leaves that job. Ends up in Milwaukee after Jason Kidd. They ultimately win the NBA championship. Now, again, Bud is a good coach. Coaching advantage is their exposure. Playoff Jimmy Butler is a legitimate top seven player in the NBA. Like, you know how people talk about, oh, there's playoff, um, playoff Eli. You know, like, you know, Eli Manning has a rough, rough regular season. He's an average player, and he gets hot in the playoffs. And he's, you know, top five quarterback all time. You know, like, it's playoff Eli. There's a legitimately playoff Jimmy. Um, it's a legitimate thing. Playoff Jimmy Butler is a top seven player in the NBA. It popped up in game one of the NBA Finals. Um, not NBA Finals, I'm sorry. Popped up in game one of the NBA playoffs. He went ballistic. Started that game real hot in the first half. Cooled off in the second half a little bit. But started that game absolutely on fire. And so, um, kudos to Jimmy Butler for doing that. Like I said, the Miami Heat probably win game one anyway. But without Giannis, it kind of sealed the deal. I think that without Giannis... The Bucks are going to lose game two. Now, they're used to it. Just like I'm watching the, the Grizzlies game. The Grizzlies are maintaining a solid lead on the Lakers without John Moran. Because a lot of, a few things happen. When a guy like Giannis or John Moran's out, they have the ball so much and they're so impactful to their team scoring that, oh my God, Anthony Davis just got stuffed at the rim. Um, they're so impactful to their team scoring and they're so impactful to um, how much, you know, the roles are centered around these guys that when they're out, um, when they are out, they have major issues. They have major, not issues, they have major uh, freedom and availability for guys to come out of their shell a little bit. So maybe that jumper that Drew Holiday wouldn't have taken, um, with Giannis in the game, because the play would have been built for Giannis, he now takes that three. Maybe that roll that instead of Chris Middleton looking to come off and get the ball to Giannis, he hits, he takes that pull up. You know what I'm saying? So guys who can score, you're in the NBA, you can, put, you can put the ball in the hole. Guys who can score now may take some shots they wouldn't normally take because Giannis is out. Um, and so now they're they're taking that shot. Um, and so that's kind of what the availability of um, – God, the Lakers are getting crushed right now. They're down 15 mid-second quarter. Uh, it's kind of funny. I'll talk about what, what makes it funny um, in a few minutes. Um, but, you know, so with Giannis out, the Bucks are dangerous. If you look at the Grizzlies now. Jaws out. Steven Adams is out. Um, they're dangerous right now because now there's shots available to guys that wouldn't normally take shots. It's 
scouting reports um, don't necessarily dictate well, these guys being great shot takers, you know, so it's kind of like you get this balance or this imbalance rather um, of shots by guys that wouldn't only take them. And so I think the Bucks are dangerous. I'm going to go to Miami in game two. Like I said, we'll find out if I'm right or wrong. Um, I think it'll be a close game because the, the Bucks and the Grizzlies that we see right now without Ja, the Bucks, without Giannis, is when they know they're going in the game without them, can actually play pretty well without them. Uh, There's a credit to their coaching and their GM with their deep roster building. But I think the Heat take a 2-0 series lead. Um, two series I'm not going to spend much time on, Boston Hawks, Sixers, Nets. I predicted a fiver with Boston Hawks, and I predicted a sweep with Sixers, Nets. I fully believe both of those things are going to happen. Um, Boston is the considerable better, considerable better team than the, than the Hawks. I just give the Hawks credit. I just give um, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and what that Atlanta arena, that State Farm arena can do. I give them credit um, and say that they're going to get a game. But that's the only reason why I'm giving them that credit. Um, is because they have a player. I talked about the last uh, podcast. To me, if there's a team considerably better than another team in the series. The only reason I'm going to give you a game is if I think you have a guy or a couple of guys that can go win you a game. Just flat out go win you a game. Just Trey Young can have one of those 40-10 nights where eight of those assists are the threes. He's responsible for 67 points or something like that. DeJounte have a 25-10 and 10 night concurrently. You can go win a game. Brown and Tatum have a rough night. You know what I'm saying? Like You can go win a game in that series. But this is the same uh, Boston Celtics team that swept Katie and Kyrie. Swept them in Brooklyn. Swept them. Got them out of there in four in the first round. Like, so they may not get a game, but I have, I have, basically I have too much respect for Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, what they can do, Quinn Snyder, a coach, what they can do to get a game. I have too much respect for that. 76 is Brooklyn? That's over. Brooklyn, 76 has played horrible in the first half. And I still think they were winning at halftime. Like, there's just not enough talent. The best three players play for the Sixers. Now, you can say Mikael Bridges. Tobias, you can say Mikael Bridges is better than Tobias Harris. Or Tyrese Max. Ty- Tyrese Max. But the best two players for sure play for the Sixers. The better coaches with the Sixers. Despite what you say about Doc Rivers and how you feel about him, Doc Rivers is the better coach than Jack Vaughn. So the best three players, the best two players, and the best coach, undoubtedly, or with the Sixers organization. To me, that spells a no-win situation for the Nets. Maybe they role players get hot in Brooklyn and get a game. I don't see it. Therefore, I am going to go with um, the Sixers to finish off that sweep. I just don't see um, what possibly the Brooklyn Nets can do besides one of those 15 to 18 three nights. It is the NBA. And if somebody makes 23s on you, you're going to lose. So maybe they go home, Seth hits four or five, Mikhail hits four or five, Cam Johnson hits a few. You know, and all of a sudden, you're looking at um, a 23 game, and they can uh, and they can take, you know, take a game in Brooklyn. Do I see it happening? Uh, no, I don't bet on 23 games. I'm just being honest. I don't bet on 20 made three games. So I think that the Nets will get swept by the Sixers. The most storyline, well, free agent kind of wise, the most storyline series is Cavs and Knicks. Um, 
my prediction. I'm going to stick with it as well. Um, I predicted Knicks. I predicted Cavs and six. I'm going to stay with Cavs and six. Um, to me, the Knicks had to have a step on their throat moment, and they didn't take advantage of it. And what I mean by a step on their throat moment, if you win the Cleveland and you took both games, you step on the Cavs' throat. Then you say, we're coming back to we're coming back to New York, and we're already up. You know what I'm saying? We're coming back to New York up 2-0. We win one of these. We go back to your building up 3-1, and you're not coming back on us. So they missed their opportunity. Now Cleveland can go in there game three. You know, they got a little confidence to them. They got a little swagger to them. Go in there game three. You knocked off that 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 playoff monkey. Um, you know, they hadn't won a playoff game without LeBron, you know what I'm saying, like 20 years or something like that. You know, some ridiculous stat. Um, I mean, they hadn't made the playoffs without LeBron's like 99 or something and hadn't won a, um, hadn't won a playoff game without LeBron in like since like 96, 97. Um, and so it was some ridiculous stat. And so, with, you know, with that monkey on your back, they got it off now. They won a playoff game in Cleveland with all LeBron's hands. They got the monkey off their back. So now I think they are the better team. Um, and I think they will take, you know, three of the next five and in this, or three of the next four and in this series in six games. Um, no disrespect to the Knicks. They're playing their tails off. They're playing hard. Tibbs has got them rolling. Jalen Brunson is balling. I just think there's a gear Donovan Mitchell can get to, Garland can't get to. I think there's a gear that um, not that Garland can't get to, that Brunson can't get to. I think there's a gear that Garland can get to that R.J. Barrett just can't get to. Um, you know, honestly, I think there's a gear that Evan Mobley can get to defensively that Julius Randle can't get to. Um, and so, you you know, you, you say these things and, you know, a lot of times people, um, you know, say hypothetical statements and say, all kind of things, you know, the hyperbolic, not hypothetical, hyperbolic statements. I just think there's gears the Cavs can get to that the Knicks can't. Um, God damn, Tyus Jones is a good point guard. Um, I think there's a gear that, you know, the Cavs can get to that the uh, Knicks can't. Um, and there's, no, you know, no shade, no shock to the uh, Knicks fans. They should know that. The Cavs have the best player. They have Donald Mitchell. Um, and we've seen him in the playoffs just go absolutely berserk. Um, in the playoffs, it was the bubble. So for some people, they discredited it, you know, but he was absolutely berserk in the, um, in the playoffs. And we seen him in game one, heat up down the stretch big time. Um, and so definitely we're going to keep our eye on that. But like I said, I'm going to stick with my original prediction of Cavs in six. Uh, now we're going to shift over to the West. Uh, Denver's going to sweep Minnesota. Uh, I don't know what my prediction was. I'm actually about to look at it now. I had them in five. They're going to sweep Minnesota. Like, they're so much better than Minnesota. It's actually painful. Like, I kind of wish that OKC would have made the playoffs because at least then OKC had, like, the Shea effect. Like, when I get Anthony Edwards is there, I'm, I'm fine with that. I totally get Cats there. I totally get Gobert's there. Conley. Denver's going to sweep them. Um... They're just that much better than them. Now, I could be wrong. I hope my original prediction is correct. Denver and five. That'd be pretty cool for me. Um, but just from that first game, Denver's going to sweep them. Now, it was the first game. It was in Denver. Minnesota rolled an emotional wave. They were the nine seed, so they had to win their way in into the play. Until so they were the eight seed, lost to the Lakers, get up for the playing game, win it comfortably over OKC. 
Now they got to gear for the one seed in, you know, 48 hours. So I, I can, I can kind of get where the issue um, lied um, for Minnesota. So they can come out tonight and, you know, recording this Wednesday night, they can come out tonight and blast Denver. Um, and then I'm looking like a fool. I'm back to, you know, Denver and five still. Um, but at that game one gave me no confidence that the Timber was going to win a game in this series. Um, I could be wrong. I doubt it. But um, I could be wrong. Um, and then, you know, the West is interesting all the way to the bottom. You know, you've got, you got some Skip Memphis and Lakers. But I'm, I'm watching their game right now. Um, but Sacramento versus Golden State. A series that many people had Golden State in five, Golden State in six. Usually the prediction was like the average, the over under probably was five and a half. Like, is Golden State going to win in five games or six? Right now, Golden State's in a horrible spot. First of all, the Sacramento Kings are getting all the self-confidence in the world. They've got two award winners. They got the coach of the year, Mike Brown, for the first time in a long time. The NBA coach of the year and the National Basketball Coach Association coach of the year. The same person. It was Mike Brown. Mike Brown won the Coach of the Year Award unanimously for the first time in like 60 years, something like that. Um, maybe it's just his exception. In Inception, he is the Coach of the Year um, unanimously. I, I, that's pretty impressive. Um, and so they got Mike Brown, the first ever Jerry West Clutch Player of the Year Award, De'Aaron Fox. And they're up 2-0. They've lit the beam both times. Now, the Golden State Warriors are the worst uh Team road team in the playoffs, so them necessarily being down 2-0 wasn't particularly shocking, but they are down 2-0. And to make matters worse, Draymond Green is suspended for Game Three. All right, let's dive off into the Draymond Green thing. And I did it the way I kind of organized this little piece, the way I did it, because I didn't want to, like JJ Reddick spoke about. Um, no, Charles Barkley, my bad. I got a JJ Reddick point too, but Charles Barkley, my bad. Spoke about after the game. The Draymond Green thing sucks for a couple of reasons. One, Draymond Green's a good player. Draymond Green's a great player. And now he's out of a pivotal playoff game for stupidity. Pretty much. Stupidity. Um, and so he's out of this critical playoff game for stupidity. And I wanted to talk about Draymond last. And about this specific topic with Draymond last. Because I didn't want to take away from the fact that the Kings are just beating down the Warriors. They're just beating up on them. They're beating up on them. Um... They're better than them right now. De'Aaron Fox has been the best player in the series. I don't think it's been close. Um, they're just been they they've just been better than the Golden State Warriors. And like I said, I didn't want to have a Draymond Green started off because then it kind of I didn't want to not give the Kings their proper credit. Okay. Charles Barkley made that statement on TNT. I don't want this series to be marred. Basically, oh Draymond Green, I spent that's why they won. No. The Kings have been beating down the Warriors at nearly every turn. They're up 2-0. To me, the Warriors are going to steal a game. They were going to steal it last night. They were, or two nights ago. And then, you know, they were still in game two. Kings shot bad. Their offense was normal. You know, they were going to take a game. They were going to take it then. In turn, the Kings actually uh, clamped down on defense themselves and flipped the game around uh, and, and stole a game. They stole a game on their own home floor. It's, it sounds insane to say, but that's what happened. They stole a game on their own home floor because the, the Warriors should have won that game, and they did not. And, of course, like I said, the big incident in the mid-fourth quarter, it's a four-point game. 
Demonis Sabonis, as he's falling, tries to grab on the Klay Thompson's jersey. He misses. In an attempt to me to protect his face, he has both hands out in front of his face. Draymond's leg is in his arms. He's not yanking the ankle. He's not twisting his body to make some sort of impact. He literally has his hands kind of over his face because he's under the rim. And he knows a shot just went up. So he don't want people running or jumping or whatever and landing on his face. So he puts his hand up. Draymond Green's ankle and foot is in the is in the situation. Draymond looks down at Sabonis and stomps him in the middle of the chest rib area. Then proceeds with Adam Silver in attendance. Adam Silver's there. Then proceeds to give cause holy hell effectively against the Kings. He raised a riot against the Kings fans because he wanted to. He raised a riot against the Kings fans basically because he wanted to. He just caused hell. He taunted the crowd. You know, Draymond does up. He knows he did something wrong. He doubles out on it against the crowd, especially when he's on the road. And so he was going at it with the crowd. He gets ejected, flagrant two, tossed. Um, and then ultimately he gets suspended for game three. Now, people, Stephen A. Smith, he's disgusted by the ruling. Shaq said what he's supposed to do when he gets his ankle grabbed. Um, even though we had footage of somebody else earlier in the year getting ankle grabbed, and they didn't do that. Um, you know what I'm saying? We get it. And J.J. Reddick made a couple of points on ESPN I want to address about this situation. One of the points he made was that the refs are blowing the series. That they're calling stuff way in the favor of the Kings. Interesting. Okay, I disagree. I've watched both games. I vehemently disagree. I think that the Warriors are fouling. That the Kings have been aggressive. Driving to the basket. They're going to get foul calls. That's how it goes. Okay, that's my main point here. The other thing he said that I vehemently want to disagree with, vehemently want to disagree with, or not necessarily disagree with, but disagree with, but kind of highlight it. So one, again, with the foul thing, in game one, you he said that the Kings were exposing the Warriors, and then after game two, it became a referee situation. That's interesting. Whatever. Um, that's what I'm going to talk about here. So... He stated that the Sabonis is in dirty, but the Kings, Sabonis, and Malik Monk were targeting, were targeting Draymond Green and baiting him. Interesting. The Golden State Warriors have anywhere from 11 to 14 other players on the roster. And yet, they bait Draymond Green. But why is that, J.J. Reddick? Because they knew Draymond Green would react. He would do something. He would retaliate in some form. He has to. Why? He's Draymond Green. That's why. It's not a pick at. It's not a bullying tactic. It's the fact that he has a history. Don't believe me? Ask the vice president of discipline, Joe Dumars, who said in part, the reason why Draymond Green got suspended was because of his past history. Kicking people in the head, giving nut shots with his foot and his hand. Draymond has a history. He taunts the crowd. He does everything he can after he does something wrong. He doubles down on it. I'm sorry, JJ Reddick. That's called smart 
sportsmanship. Let's call it gamesmanship. If I know for a fact there's a key cog in your wheel that has a problem, that has a situation, he's going to react to any and everything done to him, I'm going to pick at him over and over and over again because eventually he's going to react. In a critical moment, he's going to react. And guess what? Don't you think the Warriors could have used Draymond Green in overtime of game two? Probably. But instead, down four, you make the decision to stomp on somebody's chest and ribs on national TV in front of the commission and the playoffs. That's what you decided to do, Draymond. Because I'm pretty sure you could have stepped over him. Pretty sure you could have, yo, the ref, he's holding my leg. You could have done a lot of things in that situation, Draymond, but you started to step on his chest. J.J. Redick, that's not, that's not, that's a, yeah, who cares if they targeted him? If Draymond Green's going to react, target away. Because now, guess what, Dre? Guess what, J.J.? Dre's out. Dre is out for game three. A game that if the Golden State Warriors lose, they are going home and five. I'll give them game four. Dre will come back energized. The Warriors home faithful will stand up. Somebody's going to rein in threes. I'll give you game four. They're going home in five. And the biggest game of the Warriors season, Draymond Green is suspended for thanks to stumping on a man's chest and his past history. Who gives a darn if they uh, target him, JJ Red? Who cares? Who cares? It worked. If they did, it worked. So you telling me if it was a hint, hint, hush, hush, secret conversation in that Sixers locker room, man, if we can pick at Kawhi and get him thrown out this series, what do you, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to do that? Come on, JJ. You've been a professional sports too long for you to play Sisters of the Poor style basketball. That's not what we do here, JJ. Who cares if they targeted him? It worked. You know who's not getting targeted? Steph. You know who's not getting targeted? Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney. Clay may got picked up a little bit, but Clay's been talking lately. Those Dante DiVincenzo, those guys aren't getting picked at. It because they know it's not gonna work. It worked for Draymond Green. He's out for a pivotal game three. A game three, I believe his Warriors are going to lose. And then they'll win game four and lose in five. And that will be Draymond Green's last game as a Warrior. That's going to be his lasting memory is going to be stomping on DeMontis Sabonis' chest. That'll be his last real memory. Okay. But yeah, that, but the targeting of Draymond was the issue. Right. Got it, JJ. And then Suns Clippers. Suns Clippers has been really entertaining. Um, you had Kawhi guarding Kevin Durant a lot. Obviously, you've got the Suns. You got the Clippers going in with no Paul George, um, which makes Russell Westbrook their second best player. Lord help the Clippers. Um, you've got Chris Paul overcoming Scott Foster last night. You've got Kawhi stealing the ball from Kevin Durant. You've got Russ shooting three for nineteen and managing to win the game. Literally, he won the game. He blocked Devin Booker. He got a great offensive rebound tip, and he made two clutch free throws, switched them both, um, coming down the stretch of that game. So, Russell Westbrook literally won the game after truly 3 for 19. Fun fact, um, there's been, I think, 24 instances of someone shooting 3 for 19 in an NBA playoff game or worse. Russell Westbrook's done it twice. He's won both games. The rest of the NBA history is 9 and 13. Um, So, incredible. Incredibly, I do mean incredibly uh, spectacular um, stat by Russ. Like I said, he had the best of both worlds. He played absolutely horrible offensively and still had two clutch free throws, a clutch rebound deflection, 
and a clutch uh, block throwing it off Devin Booker by the seal the game. I mean, you couldn't have wrote a better flips, a better switch flip in terms of how the game was viewed positively and negatively than Russell Westbrook experience in that game. Um, and then of course, uh, you have the back. Do you have the uh, the Suns? Their big four didn't play very well in game one. They woke up. All four of them kind of came together last night in game two. Uh, so we're going to see how the series looks when they flip back to L.A. Kevin Durant's playing a little passive to me. I don't really love it. Um, and Chris Paul's having the opportunity to kind of rest and kind of get his body through um, these playoffs. So kudos um, for the Chris Paul trying to find a way to get his body through the playoffs. Um, and then, of course, DeAndre Aiden had a much better game, too, than he did game one. Um, and then, of course, I'm watching the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Right now, it's a 15-point game at halftime. Um, the Grizzlies are just running the Lakers. Um, Anthony Davis is playing horrible. He's one for nine in the first half. He's taking a shot to the eye, you know, jump ball situation. Um, and so he's not having the best. He's not having very he's not having very much fun right now. LeBron looks a little timid. Uh, not timid, but he's a passive. He, just, uh, he looks disengaged um, offensively. He's playing great defense, but he looks disengaged offensively. Um, without John Morant, those others are shooting. Um, and so that is what I said about the Milwaukee game. Like, those others, especially at home, kind of have the freedom to shoot baskets, and they wouldn't normally take a look at if John Morant or Giannis Antetokounmpo was on the phone, was on the floor. Um, but now they get a chance to look at those shots. They like that shot, they can take it. Now they can make it. Um, you know, so there is a little more freedom on the court without those two epicenters um, on the floor. But the Lakers really need to wake up in the second half, make some outside shots, contain the Grizzlies dribble drive, um, and they'll be able to take a 2-0 lead in this series. They played a great game one. Um, it was incredibly, uh, that 15 on run at the end of the game was insane. Um, that's the, you know, John Morant gets re hurt after, before that. Um, so who knows what their mental, the Grizzlies mental state was at all. Uh, watching their brother, they might have thought broke his hand. Um, so who knows what their mental state was like. Um, and then uh, the Washington Wizards have fired general manager Tommy Shepard. But up next, we're going to shift to the NFL, rather, and have the Mock Draft 2.0 um, and, a, and a little other news going down with the Shield. Welcome back into the show, and now we are going to transition into the NFL. We're going to start off with our Mock Draft 2.0. So, Mock Draft 1.0 is literally me going in, I see a team, I think of a need quickly, I pick a player, I move on. And it's kind of one of those, like, get a feel of the draft. What it does is, though, it gets a lot of fan feedback. I love the fan feedback. Um, and so, you know, mock draft 2.0, is still off a lot of feel, still off a lot of quick, here it is, boom, but it has a little bit more, um, research and thought process, it's a little bit more thought out, um, mock draft 3.0, which will come out 
which is the final mock draft, mock draft. Um, mock draft 3.0 will hit um, the airways Thursday morning. It'll probably be its own episode. It'll explain why this team needs that pick. It'll explain the person, why the person's there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it'll go through the full list of everybody. It'll be its own mock draft special episode. We probably won't have an NBA coverage hardly at all. If we do, it'll be quick. Um, just to pop in, update on series, you know, a couple series will be over anyway. Update on series, whatever. But then we'll jump right into the NFL. It'll be NFL heavy day, the day before the, or the day of the draft by the time you guys hear it. Um, but anyway, all that being said, um, let's get the mock draft going. Um, so with the first overall pick, uh, it's a new number one overall pick. It's the only pick I'll announce. It's new or old. It's a new number one overall pick. It is now Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama, going to the Carolina Panthers. Um, now I'm going to explain this one. Pretty much the only one I'll explain is because Bryce Young took a meeting with Carolina. He's canceled out of the pre-draft meetings. He didn't go to anybody else. Or at least he, once he went to Carolina, he canceled anywhere else, um, leading many people around the league to believe he got assurances in that meeting that he's going to be the number one overall pick. Um, and so I'm going to go with Bryce Young, number one overall. Number two, also from Alabama. So Nick Saban will have the first two picks in the draft. I'm going Will Anderson, edge out of Alabama. Um, you know, quick thoughts. People are starting to swirl. I guess I will explain some of these. Uh, people are starting to, rumors starting to swirl that Houston may be out on the quarterbacks. Um, and that they'd rather effectively tank for Kayla Williams next year. Um, and that they're kind of out on the quarterbacks. They'd rather look at next year's class. They'll have three or four guys people think are legit. I mean, people think two or three, two or three of the guys are legit in this class, but people think that class is legit. Um, with uh, led by Kayla Williams, of course, Drake May at UNC, um, and there's a couple others that'll be coming out. Uh, Jaden Daniels on LSU. Um, you know, there's a couple of oh Quinn Ewers will be eligible from Texas. Um, so, you know, there's a couple of guys coming out next year. And so many people are thinking the Texans are just going to eye next year. Um, their coach um, has a six-year contract, so he has job security. And many things that they're going to just eye next year's quarterback class and try and get a Caleb Williams in there, a Quinn Ewers. Um, you know, if they can't get their guy, whoever their guy may be, they may move towards um, the draft. They may move towards next year's draft and play with um, their current quarterback situation which is expected to be Davis Mills. Or they may get into the Trey Lance discussion, which we'll talk about, uh, of course, after this situation. But again, um, as of now, they are expected uh, to roll with Will Levis. Not Will Levis, sorry, Davis Mills. And so they'll be selecting Will Anderson, number two overall with the Houston Texans. Number three, the Arizona Cardinals keep the defensive trend going. They go Tyree Wilson, edge out of Texas Tech. Um, Tyree has grown a lot on many boards. Um... With some people saying he may even go above Anderson. Um, and so that's huge. Will Anderson was the number one pick. And then, of course, the quarterbacks used to take it over. And so then now um, Tyree Wilson may overtake him. So huge move for Tyree Wilson. Number four, the Indianapolis Colts don't move and they get their guy. Uh, C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio State. I strongly believe that Indianapolis prefers Stroud. Um, and so I think that they are going to uh, go with Stroud. At the number four overall pick. Number five, the Seattle Seahawks, again, don't have to move and get one of the, if not the best uh, overall potential talent in the draft. That's Jalen Carter, defensive line out of Georgia. Um, quarterbacks, of course, get the get the, get the the nod. Of course, that's, that's how it works. 
you're a quarterback, you get the nod in terms of um, talent, especially when something happens. But, or, you know, especially when you do redrafts, the quarterbacks, successful quarterbacks are always going two and three. That's how it works. But Jalen Carter, I believe if he gets his act together, if he gets his mind right, if he comes in there ready to work, I truly believe he could be a dominant player uh, for the Seattle Seahawks for a long time. And that's, you know, and, and it's agent Drew Rosenhaus and his methods for how he's handling his pre-drive process kind of backed that up. Uh, number six overall to the Detroit Lions, I have them taking um, Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. Jared Goff has had a very good progression. You've got him a weapon with, um, you got a weapon at tight end. You got a weapon outside with Amon Ra, Thane Brown. But I think you can expand his repertoire, expand his uh, reach. And so I think you can improve the offense even further by grabbing Jackson Smith and Jigba as the first wide receiver off the board from Ohio State, number six overall. Number seven, the Las Vegas Raiders don't move. And they land Will Levis, quarterback out of Kentucky. Uh, they need a quarterback. I legitimately don't know. Oh, um, what's his face is there? Um, Castillo moved on. Brian Hoyer is there for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think that's the only quarterback they have on roster. Um, so obviously you need somebody other than him. And that's why they land Will Levis, um, quarterback out of Kentucky. We're going to kind of paint him as the next guy um, or, the you know, the last quarterback. I think Josh McDaniels will be able to get his hands on um, in Las Vegas. And number eight, the Atlanta Falcons continue the quarterback trend. They grab Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. They're looking for an explosive guy. I don't think they're starting quarterbacks on the roster. Um, say what you want about the guy they picked up in free agency, Taylor Heineke. He's not an NFL franchise quarterback. He's, to me, not really enough. If he's an NFL starting quarterback, you're looking for your next quarterback. And so not moving Anthony Richardson, who at one point was potentially the number one overall pick, uh, getting him at eight, I think it's great value. And they end up going with Anthony Richardson at number eight. Number nine, the Chicago Bears, who traded out the number one pick to get a boatload of other assets. They start building their team around Justin Fields and the Ryan Pace, the GM era, and they get Devon Witherspoon, cornerback out of Illinois. Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they're a hard team to draft for. Um, I kind of had difficulties with their pick. Um, Because they don't really need a whole lot. I mean, I was with you. Um, I thought it was a little early to draft Bijan, and so I ended up going with Bijan. But I ended up going with Quentin Quentin Johnson, sorry. Quentin Johnson, wide receiver out of TCU with the 10th overall pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. With the 11th pick, I, of Tennessee Titans, I went with Peter Skorinski, tackle out of Northwestern. Uh, he's a little undersized for the tackle position. I think ultimately he'll end up grading out to guard, but the Tennessee Titans need offensive line help, and so I think they go with Peter Skorinski, who at this point would be the highest rated lineman on the board. With the 12th overall pick, with the Houston Texans back on the, on the clock, they go with what, some, what many consider to be the best corner in the draft, Christian Gonzalez cornerback out of Oregon. With the 13th pick, the New York Jets select Paris Johnson, offensive tackle out of Ohio State, which I truly believe um, can be a dominant tackle for years to come, which will give whoever's playing quarterback for the Jets a lot of ability um, in order to um, dominate and have time in the pocket, get to those weapons. The Jets have done a really really good job of drafting. With the 14th pick in the draft, I have my New England Patriots selecting Joey Porter Jr., cornerback out of Penn State. 
I just think the New England Patriots upgrade their secondary. Um, I think Joey Porter could be the best cornerback in the draft. And I also think that Bill Belichick would like his NFL pedigree and would like the fact that he's been he had an NFL father who played defense. So that toughness, that tenacity, that knowledge of the game, yeah, that DNA is hard to pass up. So I think Belichick goes with Joey Porter Jr., cornerback out of Penn State at 14. With the 15th overall pick, I have the Green Bay Packers selecting Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah. First round pick tight end, a top 15 pick tight end, unconventional, I get it. But I believe in Dalton Kincaid's ability. I believe in the fact that the Green Bay Packers will need to get weapons around. I think it will be Jordan Love. And so getting him a tight end he can trust, getting him a tight end that he can rely on will be huge. I think Dalton Kincaid can be a 10 to 12 year starter in this league. And so I'm going to go with Dalton Kincaid uh, to go to the Green Bay Packers. With the 16th overall pick, we have our fifth quarterback off the board. I believe Hayden Hay- Hooker, my apologies on the pronunciation, Hayden Hooker is going to be the 16th pick in the draft to the Washington Commanders, a uh, quarterback out of Tennessee. For a multitude of reasons. One, he is flying up the draft boards now. Um, many people are believing that he will be a first-round grade, that he may even be a mid to late first-round grade. So I got the Washington Commanders taking the swing here. You know, I believe that he'll be a guy that he doesn't go in that mid-round and you get to Cincinnati, Philly the second time, Kansas City, you may be able to jump up to 30-31, get that fifth-year team option on a Hayden Hooker anyway. But I believe Washington goes has it, go ahead and pull the trigger and draft him 16. With the 17th pick in the draft, I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers get Kenny Pickett some more time, get Najee Harris some more beef up front, and they go with Darnell White, Darnell Wright, tackle out of Tennessee. So back-to-back uh, volunteers off the board. With the 18th pick, uh, Detroit Lions are back on the clock. I believe they go with Kalijah Kansi, defensive lineman out of Pittsburgh. So you grabbed out your offense, now it's time to help out your defense. Get some more tough guys, get some more physical guys in there. You know for a fact your head coach loves those guys. And so you get Kalijah Kansi out of Pittsburgh. With the 19th pick, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going with Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama. They need a lot in Tampa these days. Um, and so I think they start retooling that secondary. They get it a little cheaper. They get a little more physical. And they go with Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama. With the 20th pick in the draft, I have the Seattle Seahawks drafting Lucas Van Ness, uh, edge out of Iowa. So the Seattle Seahawks would beef up their defensive line, beef up their front seven. They get Jalen Carter, now Lucas Van Ness. Um, you had an offense that could put up points with Geno Smith and crew last year. Now you get to go working on that defense. Bobby Wagner comes back, and now you add in two stud defensive linemen guys. My apologies. Um, defensive linemen guys up front. Ready to cause havoc. For the 21st pick in the uh, NFL draft, this one also was a tricky one because B. John Robinson could have gone here because the, the Chargers currently are dealing with the Austin Eckler contract situation, but they also going to get it, in my mind, they're going to get it resolved. They're going to draft it, they're going to get it resolved, and they're going to get Deontay Banks, cornerback out of Maryland. With the 22nd pick in the draft, I have the Baltimore Ravens selecting Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College. He's one of those guys that he's, again, moving around the draft boards a lot. Could I see him going six to Detroit? Maybe. Could I see him going pick 50? Yeah. Like, he's one of those guys that the wide receiver class in general. I mean, Smith and Jigba is probably a top 15 pick regardless. But you get guys like 
Jordan Addison, um, Zay Flowers. You get these guys that can go anywhere from pick 10 to pick 50. Um, pretty much based off team preference. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. But I have Zay Flowers going to the Baltimore Ravens at pick 22. With the 23rd pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, I have uh, the Minnesota Vikings selecting Brian Breesey, uh defensive lineman out of Clemson. Um, and so that is, again, the help of my line defense. They dealt with a lot um, defensively. They had a lot of issues there. And so they get some help there with Brian Breesey. Um, one of those guys that he's been through a lot already in his, his career. Um, and I think that he's going to continue uh, to develop, continue to grow, and he'll be a really good player for the Minnesota Vikings. With the 24th selection in the NBA draft, um, I have Nolan Smith, edge out of Georgia, uh, going there. Defense is an issue in Jacksonville. They can play. They can play offense. Hell, they can play defense. I think they get another edge guy to pair with their other edge guy. They drafted number one overall last year. I'm going to continue to beef up that defense, continue to grow it. With the 25th pick in the NFL draft, I have Jordan Addison of wide receiver USC going to the Giants. The Giants have been trying to go up for Daniel Jones. They tried Kenny Galladay. They tried a couple other things, mostly swings and misses. They gave up on Kadarius Toney. Um, and so I think they go with Jordan Addison here and get it right this time. With the 25th pick. With the 26th pick, probably the second easiest pick in the draft. He's here. He's there. He's a Texas kid. He's a running back, and he just cut Zeke. Bijan Robinson, uh, running back out of Texas. Um, again, Bijan's a guy that if Philly picked him at 10, no one would lose their minds. Um, but also, if he ends up not going in the first round, it would be a little shocking because there's a couple of running back needy teams in this area. But... <clears throat> It's one of the more natural picks in the entire draft. B. John Robinson running back Texas. It just fits. Um, it just, you know, it just it just fits. The pick just works. You cut Zeke, you need a running back, you need a stud. You know what Dak Prescott does when he runs when his team runs more than he throws it. And running back is the easy position in the league to transfer. Um, and so I just think Bijan goes here. With the 27th pick in the draft. I have the Buffalo Bills selecting Cam Smith, cornerback out of South Carolina. Um, I, you know, the Bills could use someone help in the secondary. Trey White suffered an injury. Didn't look like himself last year. Don't even know the other corner's name. Um, so they could use some help in that secondary, especially if we're going to go into wars against Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes on a regular basis. With the 28th pick in the draft, I have the Bengals following suit and going with Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback out of Mississippi State. Pretty much the same reason. Except I don't know their corner. <laughs> I know Eli Apple, and I know they lost Jesse Basie for agency. Um, I really don't know who else they have back there in the secondary. And so they step up. Again, you're going to get in these wars with Josh Allen. You're going to get in these wars um, with Patrick Mahomes. You're going to need some corners to guard people. And so they know with Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback out of Mississippi State. With 29th pick, the uh, New Orleans Saints draft Broderick Jones, tackle out of Georgia. Many think could be the best tackle in this draft. Uh, Peter Scarency's got right ratings. Paris Johnson has got world-class athleticism. Roderick Jones is nothing to sneeze at. Many, Like I said, many people think he could be the best tackle in this draft. And so the Saints get him all the way down at 29. Um, in terms of a value pick, it doesn't get much higher in terms of value. Um, and so they get him at 29. 
help beef up that offensive line to help Derek Carr stay upright, try and get that offense moving again. With the 30th pick, the Eagles back on the clock. Uh, select Miles Murphy, edge out of Clemson. Um, get a little more pass rush. They had some issues with their pass rush in the second half of the Super Bowl. And so I think that you're going to have to start getting cheaper at certain positions. Brandon Graham doesn't have that much long left. He may have another year in the tank. Um, I believe they have Fletcher Cox as well. He may have another year in the tank. So you kind of start got to replace them, the bodies, replacing the cogs in the machine with some youth. Uh, specifically some better talent well not better talent but different talent and some cheap talent and so you go with Miles Murphy Edge out of Clemson and for the last pick in the first round 31st pick uh, thanks to the Dolphins incident and forfeiting that first round pick there's only 31 and so with 31st pick in the draft um, the Kansas City Chiefs close out the round uh, doing what they always do maybe reaching a little bit on a pick but the guys are working out or they squeeze all they can out the lemon and they go with Josh Downs wide receiver out of North Carolina Two years ago, he looked great. Um, but that's when he had, two years ago in college, he looked great. That's when he had Sam Howell, a quarterback. Last year, he didn't have Sam Howell. He had Drake May. And it was not as smooth of an operation between those two. Um, but down, down still could be a really good receiver. He goes to the best quarterback in the league. Um, and 31st pick, Josh Downs, wide receiver out of North Carolina. So that is my mock draft 2.0. Just like yesterday, or just like last week, however, I will post it uh, sometime Thursday um, along with um, telling you guys my mock draft 2.0. So you guys will be able to see it, share it, like it, comment, tell me I'm wrong, tell me I'm foolish, all that stuff. Um, you know, I hate my team's pick, which uses the criticism. Like the overall draft itself, people's like, okay, not the world's greatest draft, but I hate my team's pick. Uh, you know, so uh, that was pretty popular. So I, I look forward to hearing you guys on this. I mean, Mock draft season, the draft is wonky, the draft is zany, um, so it's kind of all over the place. The first pick's probably locked in, and then everything after that is a, a crapshoot. Um, so it may be the right position, but if a different player is gone, teams have to reevaluate their boards. It, it's a wild time. Um, you know, like, what if Will Levis ends up being quarterback, too? Well, now... You know what I'm saying? A team may be looking at a quarterback now have the option of C.J. Stroud. They might not thought they had the option of C.J. Stroud, and you do something else. So, you know what I'm saying? The draft is a weird place. Um, But that is what my mock draft 2.0 looks like. All right, quick hitter time. Um, Allen Robinson has been traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He completed his physical. They swapped a couple of round picks. No need to go into details there. Um... Tua Tagovailoa almost retired. He said in an interview because his multiple concussions, he considered walking away from the game. That's a hard decision. Multiple, you've been knocked out multiple times. That's got to be a situation. It's got to be a little scary. Like, man, I got $10, $15 million in the bank. I can go live a pretty good life and never have to work again. Or I'll go be an analyst or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, you kind of you have to think about that kind of stuff when you've been unconscious multiple times. Um... And you're a pretty rich man with endorsements and, you know, contracts. He's probably got $20, $25 million in the bank. Um, And so he'll have that $20, $25 million in the bank. He can go work at Alabama for the rest of his life, go to Hawaii, do whatever whatever he wants to do in the game, and just retire due to multiple concussions. We see it all the time. Um, We see it all the time in college. You know, a kid gets three or four concussions and says, I'm retiring from football for medical reasons. Tua considered doing the same thing. Um, so hopefully that's not a thing that, he, you know, hopefully he never gets another one. But if he is, I'm sure he's going to walk away this time. 
when you think about retirement, you got a foot out the door, especially when it comes to injuries, and you get that same injury again, especially a concussion, it's going to be hard probably to get him to convince himself to come back. Um, the Washington Commanders are potentially in the sale uh, with a part owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, along with Magic Johnson, uh, has submitted a bid for $6.05 billion, which would be the highest sale of a American sports franchise. They, um, the bid is, it is with the owners. The owners have to approve the bid. But there's also a African-American male, um, D.C. native, that, that has placed like a $7 billion cash offer. Um for the franchise as well. But the first bid is already at the committee. If that were to fall through, maybe he ends up getting it. I don't know. But we'll definitely keep our eye on that. Uh, Trey Lance has been the source of multiple teams' inquiries in, uh, to the 49ers, saying that you know if he's available, those teams would like to make a move on him. Um, but at the moment, the 49ers are holding fast because Brock Purdy had UCL surgery. If you guys remember in the playoff game, they played the uh, Eagles. And he was cocking back to pass it. Bam, hit his arm, popped that arm back, popped his UCL. He had UCL reconstructive surgery. There's reports that he could have be he could be out for the year. Um, and so the only other quarterbacks on the roster is Sam Darnold and Trey Lance. So if Brock Purdy is out for the year, Darnold and Lance compete for the starting job. Winner gets it, whoever gets it, gets it. Um you know, several teams are making inquiries because the, the belief around the league is that, you know, Purdy's the guy. So if Purdy's the guy, you got a number three overall pick of two years ago. Number three overall pick two years ago, you can't just have him sitting on the roster. He can't be the backup on the team. So a guy that was picked last year is Mr. Irrelevant. Lance can't be the backup. Donald is fine. Lance can't be the backup on the team, you know. So, um, people are calling around, you know, because they traded three first-round picks for the right to pick him. And I think he started four or five games, maybe. Um, and so, they are, um, they may have the ability to recruit some assets. Now, is it going to be first-round picks? I doubt it. Maybe a future first. Like somebody during the draft may offer you a 2025 first because once the draft starts, the next... So, right now, the 2023 picks and 2024 picks are active in the NFL to be traded. Not at the NBA, you can trade the 2029. Like, 2023 and 2024 are active. When the draft starts, the 2025 picks become eligible to trade. So, would, I say a Las Vegas say, we'll trade you a 2025 first rounder for um, Trey Lance, 2025 first, or 2024 second, maybe a 2023 sixth for Lance? Maybe. Would the Jets do it if Aaron Rodgers continues to fall through? They'll trade a 2025 first, a 2023 second, and a 2024 fourth. You know what I'm saying? Like something where you can recoup a little bit of those assets, but not get the full thing back, obviously. Um, so Lance is being inquired about by multiple teams, but at the moment, the 49ers aren't moving him. And then lastly, congratulations to Jalen Hurts and Nicole Lent. Um, Jalen Hurts is the richest per annual player in the NFL. And Nicole Lynn has got the biggest contract but negotiated by a woman in American sports history. Um, the contract comes in at five years, $255 million. He gets $176 million guaranteed against injury, um, $110 million guaranteed at signing, and he gets basically $126 million guaranteed by year two. And his cap number does not rise above $30 million for the first three years of the extension. Um, so it allows the team to be flexible for the first half, for the first half of the extension and... Um, it allows Jalen Hurts to get his money. 
Um, so kudos to both sides for getting this done. There was no drama behind it. There was no issue behind it. There was no, oh, we could, oh, we might. Uh, dealing with what Lamar Jackson and stuff's dealing with in Baltimore. Um, none of that's happening. None of that happened in Philly. So kudos to Nicole and, and Philly management. Uh, Howie Roseman, uh, Jeff Lurie, and crew for getting this done. Um, and a lot of people wondering, what does it do for Lamar? Because Jalen Hurst was just in a Super Bowl, and he got $110 million full of guarantee, 176 guaranteed against injury. According to, according to sources, 200 and, and uh Lamar Jackson's contract of five years, $250 million. Um, $200 million was guaranteed against injury. $103, and then from $103 to $113 million is fully guaranteed at signing. So the contracts were very similar, meaning that's the market. Lamar's looking at Deshaun Watson. He's looking at Deshaun Watson, five years, $230 million, fully guaranteed due at signing. That's what Lamar Jackson's looking at. But it appears that the market is bearing out the deal he was offered. Now, he can go to them and say, I don't have a Super Bowl appearance, but I got the unanimous MVP. So let's go above Hurts. Let's go five years, 260, uh, $210 million guaranteed against injury, and 140 fully guaranteed, and you got it. I mean, if I'm Lamar, at this point, because you want to jump his fully guaranteed, you want to jump his guarantee due to injury, and you want to give a couple more dollars more on the, on the, on the million dollars. Instead of $51 million a year, you're $52 million a year. And so you're becoming the average, the, the biggest contract ever per average annual value in the league. Um, crazy we hear about these soccer contracts making $200 million a year. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the the average annual value of $52 million on five-year 260 is the most in the league. You got the most guaranteed, the most guaranteed at signing, and the most total value not named Deshaun Watson. You're like all receivers have to deal with DeAndre Hopkins contract. Like you're not getting like when receivers were barely getting 18, 19 million dollars, D Hop went to 27. And everybody was like, you're not getting 27. Like, you don't even look at 27. You're not getting it. That's kind of what people have to do with Deshaun Watson. Um people have to do with you know Deshaun Watson's contract. Like you're not getting $230 million fully guaranteed. You're not doing it. So look at a Hertz. Look at a Kyler. Look at a Lamar, hopefully. Look at a Roger. Look at those contracts. That's what you look at. Look at a Patrick Mahomes, how it was structured. Look at that. That's how that's how it's structured. Um, and so that's what you should use as your base. Um, and so that's kind of think what people are going to do is use um, Jalen Hurts' contract. And hope, hopefully Lamar gets the deal done. Like I said, a little bit more than Jalen Hurts for the Ravens making you wait. And they can play ball. But up next, we're going to shift to our best for last, which is going to be a discussion on the potential reload at LSU. Welcome back into the show. And so, you guys usually, best for last, I thought I want to talk about I don't, I don't care if y'all want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. So, if you don't like it, turn off the show. Or skip to the end. I don't know. Skip it. Who cares? Um, You hung on me for hours so far, so I appreciate it. But, 
best for last and this time it's gonna be kind of a thank you to y'all and kind of an interest piece so Haley Van Lith a very popular female college basketball player she's transferring out of Louisville she was there three years she already got her degree um, two-time conference uh, all conference all this all ACC um, heavily recruited guard generally regarded one of the five best guards in the country um, and so she um, is transferring. So, of course, if somebody like that is transferring, the whole world wants a piece of her. She put on her transfer portal, do not contact, which means don't call me, which means pretty much no one call. Well, LSU just won the national championship, of course. Injuries, Fazi Johnson, Alexis Morris, the comp- and crew, Jasmine Carson, Katari Poole, uh, Ladesia Williams and crew um, just won the national championship. The head coach is Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey, why does that matter? Kim Mulkey heavily recruited Haley Van Lith while Kim Mulkey was at Baylor. It came down to Baylor and Louisville. Haley Van Lith ultimately went to Louisville. Kim Mulkey, one year later, ends up leaving Baylor and ends up at LSU. Now, Van Lith is looking for a new home. LSU has a guard spot available. Why? You just lost Alexis Morris. So your starting point guard is gone. Which means Haley Van Lith would walk right in with her 20 point per game average and start at point guard for LSU immediately. Right? Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because Justin Time Sports is proving if you build it or you cover it, people care. My posts usually do pretty well on Facebook. They usually do. Especially because I guess because I'm algorithm a certain way. I'm in Louisiana. So if I post uh, if I post anything LSU, Saints, uh, Pelicans, it usually does pretty decent numbers because of where I'm located. I think I'm algorithm for a certain area. Um, anyway, so it usually does half decent, right? Usually, girls basketball, like even like LSU stuff, didn't really blow up, blow up. Haley Van Lith uh, visiting LSU. She visited LSU's campus um, on an official visit. Uh, she visited the campus, uh, did the tour, did the you know all the handshaking, baby greeting. I'm sure they did a full recruiting pitch for her again. And like I said, Kim Mulkey got the opportunity to um, Kim Mulkey got the opportunity to. Recruit her again. Um, it blew up on Facebook, which means you guys care. Which means, by what they say, whether it's just the, the buzz around LSU, whether it's the buzz around women's basketball as in general, whether it's, you know, whatever, you guys care about women's basketball. At least at the collegiate level. I'm working on getting you guys in the WNBA, but at least at the collegiate level, women's basketball is a topic that is open and that is something that people are interested in, obviously. So, because of which, um, so shout out to you guys. I'm talking about this. Like, you guys are interested in this stuff. I'm going to talk about it. So, that's what I'm kind of doing best for last. What are you guys most interested in that week? That'll be best for last. So, if there's not really a strong response, I'll just do what I usually do, which is something I want to talk about. Which I'm, I love talking about LSU basketball. I'm an LSU alum, so I love it. Um, but, shout out to you guys for blowing that post up. Um, like I said, she was on campus on an official visit um, a couple days ago. And so, you know what I'm saying, the post blew up. 
about her being on campus um, visiting with the team on official. So shout out to uh, you guys for blowing that post up. Shout out to you guys for hanging with me. I will, you just crossed the hour eight minute mark. Um, so shout out to you guys for hanging out with me, uh, for rocking with me, uh, going through me through episode nine of season four. Um, you're already nine weeks straight, guys. You know what I'm saying? Like I wanted to do, I did a 52 week one. Um, I, I at least wanted to get into after the NBA finals before I started peeling back, taking a summer break, etc. Um, but shout out to you guys for rocking with me. Uh, through the first nine weeks of this uh, run I'm, I'm doing. Uh, so I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. I hope you guys keep enjoying the NBA playoffs. It's looking like the Lakers are going to lose, so that series is going to be tied 1-1, going back to L.A. Road team took a home game, but the Grizzlies took a game without Ja. But the Grizzlies are now 33-17 and without Ja. So they're used to playing without him. Um, but, you know, c- congratulations to the Grizzlies. That are gonna, like I said, they're going to win the game. Um, the Lakers are now going to go back home up 1-1 and can technically head back to Memphis up 3-1, or really can head back to Memphis up 3-1 and close the, and close the door in the series. But this must be a great series. Love is going to be one. Anyway, uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. Um, an amazing time. Thanks for hanging out with me. And like I said, it should finish around an hour and 10 minutes. So appreciate you guys hanging out with me. Um, this is your host and owner, Justin Jackson. As always, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and share. To the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to follow the social media handle at JTime Sports for all your breaking news, updates, highlights, and other stuff. Now, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.